strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. I'm Jen. And today we are going to talk about the Bucklins, the Victorian family who tried to eat every animal on Earth. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, heads up to all of you vegans, vegetarians, pescatarians, all you lovely people. Just anyone with a weak this, stomach? Yeah, anyone who's sensitive to rodents, bugs, you name it, or have a lot of pets that they love dearly. Please, uh, please be warned, and I'm um, just letting you know. I mean, that guinea pig be, is going to be the least of our worries. I this feel is like going to be. This, it's it's a rough one, definitely a rough one. <laughs> but I warned you. So. Where do you find this shit, Rob? I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is good. I mean, why not, right? All right, so we're going to talk about the buckles. We're, we're going to need the wine to you... go with this this story. <laughs> So when I was uh, looking up this information, I was like, oh, all right. I'm not grossed out by it, but I can see how some people can be very sensitive towards it. So again, heads up. So the Bucklins, there's um, there's a whole family, but I'm going to talk about two of them specifically. I'm going to talk about William and Francis. So the Victorian era brought to mind pictures of different types of society that was found by strict code of behavior and etiquette. It was a time where very pristine and proper individuals moved through the world, where they knew that if they followed this behavior and etiquette, then it, it would extremely impact their social values. Even though behavior and etiquette was important, the Victorian era was also a time of great curiosity, exploration, and even innovation. But these curious people seem to be interested in some very peculiar things. I mean, <laughs> if you're gonna like do it, like let's just fucking get yeah. weird. So some of these things included, I read that people put arsenic in cosmetics as a way to enhance their beauty. Uh, for example, in the lip stain, it kind of resembled them to get lip injections. Instead of going to the doctor, they just put arsenic in a lipstick. It's kind of like, um, what was it, like in the early 2000s when they first made that lip venom? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not you know? And you would put it on, it would just fucking burn. Yeah, you're beautiful. But it make your lips, lips look like so fat and red, but they would just burn. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what no, am I doing you. to myself? No, thank you. So as a society, they valued social order, but they also valued eccentricity. And that is where William Buckland comes in. So William Buckland was born on March 12, 1784 at Axminster in Devonshire, England, and was an English theologian who eventually became dean of Westminster in 1845. So he's a theologian, which is like religion, right? Mm -hmm. All right. He was also a zoologist, a geologist, paleontologist, and wrote the first full account of a fossil dinosaur, which was named Megalosaurus. So he was all over the place. So he's all of the ologists. He's all of the ologists. So he's a scienceologist. But he also dampered in like the theology of religion and stuff like that. It just seems so strange for somebody of that period to be a theologian and a paleontologist. Well, that was a thing. He Feels also, very conflicting. He followed the gap theory and in interpreting the biblical account of Genesis as two different developments in, in creation. So he was kind of proving both of them and making separate entities. So that was like his whole spiel. I mean, you know. When when the theories don't work for you, make your own, right? Exactly. You just how about everything's right, you know? I know. How about we don't decide if evolution or creation are that we'll just everything's good. Everything's, everything's good. good. All right. So while he was a dean at Westminster, he was considered an unusual teacher and kept a bunch of animals such as snakes, eagles, monkeys, uh, and a hyena named Billy. He was described as a type of teacher that would shout questions to his students and then run full speed at them while thrusting a skull in their face, waiting for their answer. I've had a few fucking weird professors <laughs> like this. Yeah. Yeah. But he wore robes and everything like that. I'm like getting like a very my, like- I'm telling you, my AP- Very English. Hogwarts dark- yeah. Dark arts. My AP English teacher, Mr. Tidwell. I wish. Yeah. He used to break into song. Very weird man. Oh, you know what? If I was a teacher, I would definitely do that. The fun fact every day, I would yeah. break out in song. I'm I mean, 
People would think you were a fucking bizarre, but I mean, who cares, right? I will go down in history as being the most bizarre teacher. I mean, if only life was Hogwarts, right? I know. Okay. So his house was also stuffed with all these different types of animals, including a pony, frogs, ferrets, cats, dogs. And the children outside of his home liked to stand on top of large turtle shells and watch foxes and chickens run about. So he just had large turtle shells outside his Mm -hmm. house? Live turtles. They stood on top of it as we're walking around and watched all everything. Yeah. Just rogue turtles. Rogue turtles just walking about. But big ones, like the ones that weigh like 300 pounds, those giant snapping turtles. Who is this madman? Where does he get these animals? I don't know. Just around. I don't. I mean, think who does any- he know at the docks, right? Because like, you know, the shit isn't clear in customs. I know <laughs> now you can't really have all these like crazy animals, but I, I don't think their rules were really that strict back then on to what animal you can have. You know what? He's the reason why we have the fucking rules. Yeah. Thank you, Buckland. Yeah. Because like how many kids got from some fucking weird bacteria from his fucking turtles or petting the goddamn hyena in their fucking hey, class? Hey, hyena's name is Billy. I mean, sure. I'm sure Billy is cool, but like hyena's not typically no. known to be like friendly to the folks. So one incident in class was that he asked a student what rules the world and the student replied that he did not know and Buckland responded the stomach sir the stomach rules the world the greater eat the less and the lesser eat the lesser still I mean it's he's just talking about the food chain Mm -hmm. so I mean you know not rocket science here no supporting this idea Buckland was part of the British Society for the Acclimatization of Animals where the organization devoted their time and resources to bringing new species into the country in order to see if they would be valuable additions to the ecosystem and if they could be a resource for food. So maybe that's where he get all these animals from. They're just bringing them in. He's like, no, that won't work. I'll keep it. It's like the person who brought snakes to Hawaii. Yeah, good job. (laughs) (laughs) So this worked well with one of Buckland's own personal goals, which was to eat every kind of animal in existence. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pie, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. During his time, he ate a wide range of different animals. One of his favorite things to eat was mice on toast, which he served regularly at parties that he held for society members. So I just do they tell you how he prepared it? No. I just. I want to know. I'm kind of thinking it's more like an avocado on toast. He kind of made like a pate out of it. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm hoping, right? You know, the, immediately the mind is just conjures up like a, just a, a tail. actual... And a tail coming off. Like a furry mouse, like laying on a piece of toast. I mean, clearly that isn't how you would consume a mouse if you were going to consume a mouse. I wouldn't I imagine. Think, I think that if you're at home by yourself, maybe, but if you're going to present this to people at a party, I think you want to be a little bit more gourmet about it. Okay. So like the little meat is like diced and like yeah. maybe mixed with a little onion, parsley, garlic. Yeah, exactly. A little something like that. Yeah, to like a little sprinkle of lemon. Zazz it up so the people, they feel like they're doing 
doing something adventurous, exactly. but not like totally fucking disgusting. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's what I think. I could be completely wrong. It could just be a giant loaf of fur. I have to say, I would probably try it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the one time you went out for your birthday was I did have alligator and ostrich. I, so did I was I. eating it. I'm like, yeah, I just kept on thinking it was a lot of meat and chicken going around. Like, I was just like, this, is, this chicken's kind of fishy, but it's great. <laughs> Like, oh, that's alligator. Oh, this beef's kind of gamey. Oh, that's ostrich. Oh, yeah, all right. Okay. Buckland also ate hedgehogs, porpoises, roasted ostrich, <laughs> panther, and even puppies. I wrote that. I was like, should I put that in? I'm like, yeah, should I put that in? So his taste buds didn't just fall on flesh either. When Buckland visited an Italian cathedral sometime between 1826 and 1836, a priest told him that the slick floor was due to the ever-flowing blood of the sacrificed martyrs. So Buckland knelt down, ran his tongue against the ground, and declared that it was not blood, but instead, it was bat urine. Because he and knows he, what it tastes like. He's obviously a professional. Did this fucker have rabies? I mean, you're going to get bit by something at one point or another if you have all these animals. I would imagine that, like, undercooked weird meats would also probably have certain, you know, pathogens and... He probably had, like, all different types of worms and stuff. Parasites, like, no. yeah. Yeah, okay. I warned you, people. <laughs> So members of the society ate different animals as well, such as sea slugs, kangaroos, and a curassow, which is a large bird that is normally found in the tropical South America. So it was recorded that he stated that the worst things that he ever ate was a common mole and blue bottle flies. But it was also recorded the, the best thing that he ever ate occurred while he was on a visit to the house of Lord Harcourt, the Archbishop of York, right outside of Oxford. The Harcourts somehow got a hold of a silver locket that was displayed in a glass case. The silver locket had a piece of brown pumice that was believed to be the mummified heart of King Louis XIV of France. The family had put it on display at a formal dinner with uh, several high-profile guests that were in attendance where Buckland grabbed the locket and said, I have eaten many strange things, but have never eaten the heart of a king. And then he put it in his mouth and he swallowed it. How fucking pissed were they? Can't believe you just fucking did that. But at the same time, like, well... I mean, you invite the buckling. Like, what the fuck do you expect? Exactly. But, like, at the same time, they can't really say anything about it because they kind of stole this artifact. You can still fucking say something about it. Yeah, I'm well, sorry. I am bad well, with the language tonight. I am so tired. You can yell at buckling, but you can't, like go it off and like start say like you can't complain you invite buckling to a party it's like you can't complain when a peace punk pisses <clears throat> in a corner you can't take him anywhere <laughs> sure whatever yeah so just imagine the faces of everyone at the dinner though like what i mean locket and everything just whole he was a madman he ate the locket yeah he didn't just take the no because it was it was what i mean i think that by the time he actually was able to open lock it take out the item that the the shield that goes over it takes the shield out takes out the pumice by that time someone's gonna grab his hand and grab it out of his hand i'm assuming he just about, boop, swallowed it i have a vision of him with his head back like dangling it <laughs> down <laughs> dangling his strength. like throat the mummified heart was actually a part of the french tradition dating back to like the 13th centuries but there's never really any talk about someone actually eating the mummified heart of a king so buckland was probably the first and probably the last person I ever actually did that. They keep that stuff stored. Explain the look on my face. Confused, intrigued, disgusted, also tired. <laughs> this fucking guy, man. Yeah, Piece of work. Can't take him anywhere. Jesus. You're like in the floors, he's eating jewelry. I just Fuck. imagine these are like pretty fancy people and they're like, oh my God, we have like, we have come across this artifact. It is the heart of King Louis of France, mummified. Look at this. Oh, and he's like delicious. He's like, hmm, that's for me. Boink. Mm-hmm. I've like, eaten many things move. in this world, but I've never eaten. The heart of a king. 
So fucking dramatic. <laughs> so Buckland died in 1856. Sure. <laughs> and apparently eating a king's heart didn't offend much people because it turns out that Buckland earned a burial plot at Westminster Abbey among plenty of the other famous British people. He like, you know, he's he was, like well known yeah. and he's like had money and whatever. Yeah. He clearly had money. <clears throat> I mean, he has a fucking, he has giant turtles and a pet hyena. <laughs> That's like Michael Jackson style right there. I know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Neverland. So it's unclear as to why Buckland embraced such a curious diet, but most likely it was a combination of both curiosity and fame because his father was actually a well-known educated man and their family lived very modestly. So his father's probably like, I don't know who this kid is. Yeah. He likes shit, but a little weird. So, but with hard work and a little bit of luck. Sorry, are we still talking about William? Yeah. No, I'm talking about how like... I know. I just I was just wanted to make sure. I wasn't sure. I yeah. So I had a um, moment. Oh, okay. So, but with hard work and a little bit of luck, he joined the Corpus Christi College, which was a small prestigious branch of Oxford. And while he was a young professor at Oxford, he was pretty hard pressed for money. And so he kind of amped up all of his eccentrics and his lectures to attract the fee paying students with racy jokes and even profanity. So I think that him deciding to also eat kind of in, like attracted a lot more people so he can get more of a following. It's just his theatrics. Clearly in this college, they get paid by how many people take their class. Not normally. Sometimes you can actually have P-Fang. So, P-Fang, really? <laughs> I got you mid-sip. Sorry. <laughs> it went up your nose? I swallowed. <laughs> so, no. So, <laughs> everyone has the normal tuition. So, you get paid. And so, of course, the professors are being paid by that college. But if your class is booked, he can actually have fee-paying students like people who are auditing the class like mm-hmm. that kind of thing yeah right. so it's like oh i'll go and like give you like 10 bucks for the week and like go like here and there or whatever it is okay so that's why he upped his all of his theatrics this way he can get more people to to come to his class there isn't an exact time or even a clear incident when he actually started to eat through the animal kingdom but it could have been doubling down on his whole behavior and attention buckland passed his extremely intense interest in animals and unusual eating habits to his son francis who was born in 1826 Francis was a committed Z-O-O-P-H-A-G-I-S-T. Zoophagist? Zoophagist? So Francis was a committed zoophagist. And what was funny is that eating was one of the first things that landed Francis in trouble as a kid. He was two and a half years old and he ate the end of a candle. And as punishment, his father William shoved him inside a thorny bush for 10 minutes. And it's funny because he probably would have avoided all punishment if he just ate a field mouse instead. I mean... So he's, what, two? Two and a half. A ridiculously harsh punishment for a two-year-old. Give him a roach and a mouse. That's that's my boy. Gross. (laughs) As he got older, Francis had sometimes joined his father on his culinary adventures, and they were far from alone on their journeys. Besides the members of the Society of Acclimatization, there were also other groups that had similar tastes. Charles Darwin, for example, was a friend of Francis Buckland and belonged to another group called the Glutton Club. The Gluttons. I'm not talking about like the mozzarella sticks (laughs) at the diner. (laughs) The Gluttons also pursued a strange goal for eating strange flesh. And club members consumed things like hawks and birds, but they were kind of put off on this whole Glutton Club initiation kind of thing when they tried a very stringy owl that turned them off. They're like, and we're done. (laughs) So Darwin continued, though, to explore other meats while sailing on a boat called the Beagle, where he was known to have tried armadillos, which he thought tasted like duck, and a very large rodent. And uh, this type of rodent was actually unknown. I call them R-O-U-S's, for all of you uh, Princess Buttercup fans. But this, uh, this was, <laughs> but this unknown rodent was apparently the best meat that he's ever had. So go Darwin. 
I wonder if it was um R.I.U.S.'s. Rodents of a usual size. I bet it was a capybara. <gasps> capybara. Those, well, we saw those in Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, they're rodents of unusual size. Well, they're they big. Like, pretty big rodent. And yeah, they're, they're like, they're look they're kind of like, fat. So they're probably delicious. Maybe like a 15 pound, 20 pound, like dog size like that. Yeah. Yeah. But they got like meat to them. Yeah. Just avoid the nose and head. That was all. It's probably all cartilage. But so like his father, Francis went into sciences, but he was actually trained to be a surgeon. Growing up in a house filled with exotic animals, Francis sort of took the that environment with him to college. But even that had its downfall because the moment you walked into his room at college, there was always some rotten odor. He had all of his exotic animals around his room, such as marmots, squirrels, turtles, green frogs, chameleons, guinea pigs, and mice. But his most notorious companion was a bear cub named Tig, whom Francis dressed in a cap and gown appropriate for the Corpus Christi College of Oxford. The bear attended wine parties, performed tricks. He liked to suck fingers of strangers. And when unattended, he roamed the streets looking for candy. I love him. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want a Tig. Super inappropriate, but don't let a bear cub suck on your fingers. I think it's probably a bad a bad scene but i do like that he uh he, you know he went looking for candy like every night's halloween for tig so um you can probably just kind of figure what kind of what kind of college roommate this guy was not a great one and then just everyone who's had a college roommate just try to think about that person that you hated and then think about francis because there were also numerous skeletons and stuffed specimens but that's not all he also was apparently dissecting animals and kept the corpses in the box under his bed that explains the smell. So your roommates were actually not that bad, were they? Hey, man, I liked my college roommate. Her name was Tiffany. Hi, Tiffany. We watched a lot of 90210 together. She was a nice lady. So by the standards of their time, both William and Francis were considered eccentric people, but their reputations have grown in time. The Secret History of Oxford by Paul Sullivan says that the pair were two of the most colorful characters ever produced by the university. I would say so. Great minds often belong to unusual people. So the father and son duo between their odd gastronomic escapades and their popular study of the world is something that is considered to be explored. Good grief. <clears throat> That's a weird one. That's definitely a weird one. The Bucklands, the Victorian family who tried to eat every animal on earth. Just another notorious narrative. Have a show idea? Send it on over to us along with any questions, comments, or corrections to NotoriousNarratives at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Instagram at NotoriousNarratives and Twitter at NotoriousTales. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Every review helps other listeners to find us. Thanks so much.